are on air for Fan for Racing Radio, and tonight we are covering the Nashville and Coco NASCAR Weekend Preview with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. tonight at Eastern Time. In our first half hour, we're going to talk about some short track news and upcoming races there. We'll also preview the Arkham Menard Series and the Suchi Showdown Series at Elko Speedway along with a brief review of the race at Berlin Raceway last weekend. We'll also include some updates for the Arca East and Arca West Series. Uh, Starting at 9 o'clock, we'll preview the NASCAR Truck Series and then the Xfinity Series at Nashville Super Speedway. Again, during the Truck Series uh, portion, we will offer a brief review of the Truck Series race at Knoxville Raceway last weekend. During our third half hour, we do have some pre-race audio uh, from the NASCAR Cup Series Century, Todd Gilliland. He's the driver of the number 38 Root Barn Ford Mustang for Fort Row Motorsports. After that, we'll preview the NASCAR Cup Series at Nashville. And at 10 o'clock, we start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew. And right now, I know we have Mike Orzel. I'm hoping to hear from and we'll see if he's able to join us. All right, joining me now as co-host tonight is Sal Scala. Unusual night for you, Sal, but I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Yeah, it is an unusual night. I'm still, I'm still on my Monday, uh, Monday schedule, but knowing that uh, today is Thursday, you know that we're going to go ahead and take care of business. Yes, indeed. I, I, Jay I've is gotta, on vacation, but he'll be back next week. Yeah, I just got to switch gears and get into the, because you know our format and everything is different. It's not the same as what it is. What it is. Yes, so. I'll try to I'll try to guide you as we go through this. I usually go to uh, Racing America and Flow Racing to find out the upcoming races. So I'll start with Racing America, Sal. Um, and there's a lot going on at Racing America. Um, there's no pressure. or It's just pride for Peyton Sellers in the SRX. Uh, he's going to the two-time national champion, is uh, looking to fulfill a lifelong dream at the South Boston race in, in uh, the SRX. And there's an article about that over at Racing America. Um, uh, the ball is rolling on Helio Castronavis. Uh, he wants to have a NASCAR debut, so. Yeah, I read about that. And I'll, you know what? I, I think it's, I know a lot of fans are going to say, you know, what the heck is he, why, why does he want to dabble in NASCAR? You know, he's already, you know, season, you know, I mean, not season, season that, or he's already up, you know, made his name in IndyCar, you know, with all the young generation, you know, I guess. <laughs> I guess they'll have a go at it. I mean. Well, I think it's great I, I don't know because to... it, brings, it brings some of the IndyCar fans to NASCAR and NASCAR fans to IndyCar. Uh, I like the crossover when they do that. And uh, yeah, I you know what? Promotion. You know, and I agree. The only thing is that NASCAR fans are a lot more rude when it comes to somebody 
coming from another series into our series than what what our fans are going to like IndyCar. So I mean, he's going to get a lot of. He's got to be have some thick skin because the fans are going to rip him, you know, if he doesn't do good. And depending what series they start him in, too. No, I don't. And I don't think all fans will feel that way. Oh no! Oh no! I'm not saying all fans, but I'm just saying you already know how you already know how NASCAR fans are. I, I mean, they're they're, they're they're they're. It seems like they're always looking for they're always looking for something to just you know some somebody to pick on. You know that that that's not part of the original. Yeah, thing, there but. is a certain element, but but uh, I like to keep things on the positive if we can. Um, there's another driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's helping to race in late models out at North Wilkesboro. And there's an article about that over at Racing America as well. And I think that's going to be cool. That's uh, a track that uh, Dale Earnhardt is really big on uh, the different tracks that NASCAR has raced on uh, throughout the years. Yeah, I yeah I, I agree. You know what? It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. You know, see him. You know, I mean, he's always a fan favorite wherever he goes. So I mean, anything that he can do, you know, to you know to push a series like that, you know, and be involved, I think I think it's great. You know what? And I think it's gonna be even great for Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, just as a, you know, just to get out there. That's true. That's true. Uh, now, moving to the schedule for this weekend, if we look at um, live events that are coming up, on June 24th, Friday, there's going to be some local racing out at Carolina Speedway starting at 7.15 p.m. on June 24th. That's tomorrow. Uh, the limited late model, Super Sportsman, Thunder Sportsman, Thunder Bomber, the Pro 4, Pure Stock, Hornet, and Backwards Chinese, whatever that is. Um, it sounds exciting for local racing. Yeah, it is. I, you know what? It's it's kind of like kind of like what we do over here at uh, at uh, Erndale. You know, we have um, you know our regular you know prolate models, and then they'll throw in like a, a, a an enduro race. You know, where the cars are they're just little compact cars. You know, and they race, and then and then they do a skid plate where they take off the back tires, they put plates. And then they have to race around, but that backwards race, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be running. They're, they'll be sitting in the car looking over their shoulder, trying to get around. I've seen it done. They did an Erndale once, and it's crazy because actually Greg Biffle was out here and he did it, and he was the fastest guy out there. And I don't know how he got around the wow. track, but you got to remember because you have to turn opposite to go opposite. But it was oh uh, we had Greg Biffle out here, yeah, and and we did a backwards race, and Greg Biffle he said oh. I'll, they gave him a card. He goes, I'll do that. And he jumped in it. And actually, he did pretty He did pretty darn good. So That's pretty cool. Now, there is an event that was postponed. It's scheduled for Saturday, June 25th at uh, the NESS portion of the Monadnock uh, event has been postponed due to a part shortage. Uh, so the stream of the event is also postponed, but Monadnock, uh, night of racing will continue as scheduled if you're planning to attend. So just keep that in mind that the live stream is not available for that event. Yes. Also at Anderson. You know, and Anderson, I, Anderson, go, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and 
Oh, and he was actually with that with the part shortage. They're talking about we're having for for anybody that's following short track racing really good. Everybody knows that Hoosier is having a really hard time, you know, um, getting tires to all the races. Um, it's to the point to where now the like like with the SRL series, you know, you can buy up to like um, four or five sets for each race. And now they're living them to like three sets of race because of the shortage. There's just not enough tires to go around. And last year, towards the end of the season, if you notice, like, um, um, real quick, uh, New Smyrna had to cancel, you know, their their second, almost their full second half of the season. And it's because of ty- this tire shortage. We were just not, they just can't produce them fast enough for what they're using them. And then the Snowball wow. Derby, of course, is taking up their a lot of tracks are giving up their time. They, they don't have a choice, but Hoosiers taking them and they're stocking them for the Snowball Derby, which this year they're going to be limited on tires also. So they're not going to have the, the unlimited amount of tires that they usually have. I think this year they're going to allow five or six sets, and that's for the all the, the three days of practice in the race itself. So, yeah, it's really putting a damper on the teams. And a lot of the series like, like this one, the NESS, you know, it's used to running their events, you know, without the – Without okay. the allotment of tires, it's hard. Anyways. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to have to refer everybody to RacingAmerica.com schedule to see what races are coming up. Uh, we're running out of time here. I'm going to move over to Flow Racing uh, and see if we can get on the schedule there. There is a weekly preview uh, of the NASCAR Roots on Flow Racing from June 24th and 25th. Uh, there's going to be plenty of action this weekend, starting at Friday. Uh, they're going to have the Quebec Bowl Night 1 at the Autodrome Group Granby. Uh, Friday night is the first night of the uh, 2022 Quebec Bowl, and it's a big night of racing. Uh, they have the big block modified to run 75 laps, which is the longest race of the weekend, and they'll be joined on the schedule by the 40-lap sportsman modified feature, which is 20 laps for the sport compact, and the sling, slingshots will also be in action. Racing, racing there is scheduled to begin at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And that's on... Huh. That's on the 25th. That's, or okay, 24th, that's Friday. Yeah. That's Friday. Well, wow, right this the schedule, the schedule I have that I pulled up is kind of, kind of wonky. Okay, uh, what I'm looking at Sal is the weekly preview NASCAR Roots on Flow Racing, June 24th to 25th. But that's under the news. Oh, okay. Oh. There we go. Okay, the Pro Late okay. models will be at Meridian Speedway, Boise, Idaho's uh, racetrack. Uh, and again, Friday night this week instead of its usual Saturday, uh, four divisions will be in action with the ProLite models headlining the evening, and they'll be joined by the Pro Fours, the Pro Fours, Mini Stocks, and the Bombers. Racing there is scheduled to begin at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Then we'll move to Saturday, and it's night two at the Throwback Bowl. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> it's under the news. Before you told me. To, yeah, you know what? I, I'm here under the news, and and 
Uh, you're there's, on full there's racing, an right? article called Weekly Preview, NASCAR Roots on Flow Oh, racing. okay, okay, there we go, there we go, okay. Okay, then, now we're, okay. we're at, the, at the Quebec Bowl? The day two of the Quebec Bowl on Saturday. Okay, yeah, okay, here we go. Okay, Quebec Bowl night two at Autodrome Granby. The big weekend of racing at Granby concludes on Saturday night with four divisions in action. The big block modifies a race for 40 laps, as will the sportsman modified. The sport compacts a race for 25 laps, and the slingshots are also on the schedule. Racing is scheduled to begin at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And there's the, also on Saturday, there's the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Touring Weekly Racing at Riverhead Raceway. Uh, they're going to be in action for the second week in a row, and they're going bullring racing for the second week in a row as well. Saturday night is the second of three stops to Long Island's Riverhead Raceway. Doug Colby won the first race at Riverhead last month. The Crate Modified Legends Mini Stocks and Blunderbuck first bus will all be in action as well with racing action scheduled to begin at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And then we got on June 25th, we have the late models and more Jennerston Speedway. Six divisions are in action this Saturday night at Pennsylvania's Jennerston Speedway with the late model division headlining the night modified pro stock street stocks. Chargers and more on the schedule as well. The first green flag is scheduled to wave at 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. There's also the NASCAR Pinty Series at Eastbound International Speedway, Canada's premier stock car series, heads to the east to Newfoundland um, to race at Evansville Eastbound International Speedway. Eastbound is a three-quarter, three-eighths mile short track with 18 degrees of banking in the corners. Green flag is set to wave at 3 p.m. Eastern for the 225-lap race. And we're going to talk about more about this next one coming up uh, real soon here. So uh, we'll, talk, we'll do a preview on that one. Let's talk about the super late models at Berlin Raceway, Jay. Or stop. Okay, and then in 2022 NASCAR Weekly Racing at Berlin Raceway, Marn, Marn, Michigan's challenging half mile is back in action with super late model race with super late models headlining the four division night. Limited late models, sportsmen, and four cylinders will also be in action. The first green flag is scheduled to wave at 6:15 Eastern Time, PM Eastern Time. Okay, real quick, um, the 2022 late model stock cars at Langley Speedway uh, and Hickory Motor Speedway. Uh, Hickory Motor Speedway starting at 6 o'clock at Langley. That'll start at 6.30. Then there's weekly racing at Bowman Gray starting at 6.50. And weekly racing at Evergreen Speedway starting at 7 p.m. We kind of ran out of time there, so uh, we'll move over to the the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, They are racing at Elko Speedway this weekend. Uh, the short track summer for the Arkham Art Series continues Saturday as the series hits to the backyard of the title partner Menard. Uh, Minnesota's Elko Speedway. This also serves as the fourth round of the Sioux Chief Showdown, and that's scheduled to begin at 8.30 p.m. Central, 9.30 Eastern, 
and will be available live on MAV TV and Flow Racing. Radio coverage of the event is also available over at ARCARacing.com. Now, Saturday's race at a 3 8 mile paved oval is the eighth race of the Menards, ARCA Menard Series season, and the eighth time the series has competed at Elko. Corey Himes scored his fourth of six Arkham Menard Series victories last year in the most recent series event at the track. So, uh, Sal, I sent you the news and notes. We'll go ahead and move over to that then for this next part. Okay. You want to start which, which at the top, the, moving down? Yeah, this is the... News okay. and notes that I this sent on the, email. Yeah, which is the, which is the pit box Elko Speedway to deliver more short track? Action for Arkham and Art Series. I sent you an email. Yeah, I got the email. Arkham and Art Series at Elko News and Notes for the Menards 250. Yeah, so yeah, so what I got it started on the it started on the pit with the pit box, or it goes down to Menards at Elko. What to watch for? No, it starts with reigning Arkham and Art Series East champion Sammy Smith. It's in your email. Okay. Uh, it's frustrating. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, what <laughs> I have here is that. Bear with us because Sal's not used to doing the preview show. Yeah. So. So what? What I have here is Sammy. It starts off with Sammy Smith, right? Yeah. Okay, Sammy Smith, who captured his first. Arca Menards Series victory one week ago will look to make it two straight. Arca triumphs aboard Kyle Busch Motorsports number 18 Toyota. Nick Sanchez, already a two-time winner this year for Rev Racing, will chase victory number three Saturday at Elko. Willie Mullins returns to Arca competition in a partnership with Fast Track Racing aboard the number 12 Toyota. Daniel Dye will look for a redemption following a dominant run at Berlin last Saturday that ended in heartbreak, and Taylor Gray is back in a David Gillen and racing number 17 Ford Mustang. Other competitors expected to race at Elko include Greg Van Alst, Amber Balkin, Ron Van Vandermeer Jr., Alex Club, and Zachary Tinkle. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, before that, uh, there is a new Elko winner that's guaranteed Saturday night. Because no previous winners at the track are among uh, those expected entries this weekend. A number of expected entries are still in search of their first wins of the year, including the Arkham and Art Series championship leader, Raja Caruth, who remains winless in ARCA competition despite being the most consistent competitor this season. Now, Jesse Love claimed his maiden archery last season at Indiana Salem Speedway, and he's hoping to add his name to the list of winners at Elko. Love is part of a four-card field for Venturini Motorsports this weekend. Uh, Joining him in the Venturini stable at Elko is rookie Landon Templeton. He's looking to make his first ARCA start. Uh, Pendleton made headlines last year by becoming the youngest winner in history of the Valley Star Credit Union 300 late model stock car race at Martinsville Speedway. Also part of the uh, Venturini stable this weekend is Tom Hessert. He's fresh off a runner-up result last weekend at Berlin Raceway 
in Marnie, Michigan, as well as a series, uh, their series regular, Tony Breidinger. Um, let me see here. Let's, um, did you find what I was talking about in your email, Sal? Okay, I, 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 I am in my email, and I have, uh, okay, yeah, I have the Arca, Arca Arts, yeah, the, the 250 News and Notes. Okay. Okay, so two so, by two. So, okay, gotcha. So, reigning Arkham and Arts Series East champion Sammy Smith returns to the track where his racing career began. Elko Speedway, coming off his first career Arkham and Arts Series win in last Saturday night's Zinser Smart Coat 200 at Berlin Raceway. Smith started racing in Legends cars at Elko Speedway when he was just 11 years old. Daniel Dye led 192 of the 200 laps to Berlin, dominating the race after starting from the general tire pole for the second consecutive season. Unlike last year when Dye scored his first career arc of an art series win, Dye's race car lost power with less than 10 laps to go and gave up the lead and the eventual victory to Smith. Went to Smith. Yeah, Smith's victory at Berlin vaulted him to a dominant lead in the Chief Showdown standings. Smith now has a commanding 14-point advantage over Nick Sanchez. Roger Carruth is just one point behind Sanchez, with Jesse Love and Taylor Gray each an additional point back from each other to round out the top five in the standings. The Menards 250 is the fourth round, as we mentioned earlier, of the 2022 Sioux Chief Showdown. The 10-race series within the series allows drivers as young as 15 years of age to compete for a championship on paved tracks up to one mile in length, road courses, and dirt tracks. The remaining showdown races include Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, Indianapolis Raceway Park, Watkins Glen International, the Milwaukee Mile, I love that track, the Jacoyne State Fairgrounds, and Bristol Motor Speedway. The Elko Speedway is the shortest track on the Arkham and Art Series schedule, just 0.375 miles. The back-to-back races at Berlin Raceway at 0.43 miles and Elko Speedway give the series consecutive races at its two shortest venues. There have been seven previous Arkham and Art Series races at Elko Speedway since 2012, and no one has ever won more than once. Brennan Poole won the inaugural, followed by Frank Kimmel in 2013 and Grant Enfinger in 2014. After a two-year hiatus, the series returned in 217 with Austin um, Darrow winning en route to the championship. Gus Dean won in 2018 and Chandler Smith in 2019. Last year, Corey Heim nudged eventual series champion Ty Gibbs on the final restart with two laps to go to take the victory. Christian Eckes, however, is the only driver to earn more than one general tire pole award at Elko Speedway. He did so in 2018 and 19. Other pole winners include Alex Bowman, Tim Schrader, Justin Haley, Riley Earps, and Ty Gibbs. Last year's uh, Menards 250 uh, at Elko Speedway was actually a 1-2-3 sweep for Venturini Motorsports. Winner Corey Hine was followed by Jesse Love in second and Gracie Trotter in third. Elko Speedway also hosted a combination race for what is now the Arkham Menards Series East and West Divisions. Sean Case won over Byron Chu, Mike David, 
Rogelio Lopez and Mike Olson in a 150 lap main event in 2007. That race also featured future Arc of an Art Series champion Justin Lofton, who finished eighth, and future Daytona 500 winner and NASCAR Cup Series champion Joy Logano, who finished 19th. Current NASCAR Twin uh, Series championship. Can... Go ahead. Okay. Okay, current NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship contender Justin Haley holds a track record at Elko Speedway set in 2014. Haley timed in at 14.282 seconds, which translates to a 94.525 miles per hour average speed. Okay, also Brennan Poole also set an Elko race record in 2012 winning a 200-lap main event at 74.090 miles per hour. Again, the Arkham Arts 250 will be broadcast on TV and streamed live on Global Racing starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night, June the 25th. So a lot to look forward there. We'll move now, uh, Sal, over to the entry list, and you can get that uh, link over in the pit box. Oh, let me see the entry list here. Uh, we usually yeah. go bottom up two by two, and I'll go ahead and start. Alex Club from Morris, Illinois, will be in the O2 Club Racing Ford, and Brian Club will be on top of his pit box. In the zero one is D.L. Wilson from Mark, Texas, for FastTrackRacing.com, the Hillenburg Go organization, and Tim Monroe will be on top of the pit box. Hmm. Did you find okay. the entry I went list? there. Yeah, no, I'm go ahead. I'm... Okay. Oh, you're going bottom up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> okay. Ron Vandermeer in so... the number 66. Okay, here it is. Yeah, Ron Vandermeer in the 66, Sheridan, Illinois. He's driving for the Mac Rack Engineered Rack Repair Toyota. Ron Vandermeer Jr. Um, is a team owner, and his crew chief is going to be Ron Vandermeer Sr. And then in the 55 car, we got Tom Hesser from Hanville, New Jersey, HesserCars.com, Toyota. Billy Venturini is the team owner, and Dave, Dave uh, Lehner is the um, crew chief. Okay, driving the familiar number 48 is Brad Smith from Shelby Township, Michigan. He'll be driving the... Cofreya Chevrolet for his own race team with Jeff Smith on top of the pit box. Chad Bryant is on top of the pit box for the GMS uh, racing Chevrolet uh, for Daniel Dye in the number 43 from Dillon, Florida. And in the 35, we got Greg Van Alst, Anderson, Indiana, CB Fabricating, and a Ford. Greg Van Alst is the... Is the uh, owner and Jim Long owner. is going to be his crew chief. And then um, in the number 30, we have Amber Balkin from Winnipeg, Manitoba when, and the icon-sponsored Ford. Mark Rett. Reddy is the owner and Mark Reddy is also going to be the crew chief. So he's got doing double duty. Okay. And the number 27 will be Dallas Brewing. From North Aurora, Illinois, he'll be driving the Immigration Law Center Chevrolet uh, for the Richmond team. And Don Blackhold will be his crew chief. 
Kevin Reed Jr. will be the Venturini uh, crew chief for Tony Bridinger, who is driving the number 25. She hails from Hillsboro, California, and she'll be driving the Piper Toyota for Venturini Motorsports. And from, from out here, from my neck of the woods of Redwood, California, and the number 20 will be Jesse Love. He'll be driving the uh, JBL sponsored Toyota with Billy Venturini as the owner, and his crew chief will be Shannon Roosh. And uh, number 18, Sammy Smith from Johnston, Iowa. Uh, his, he's in the Allstate Peterbilt Group sponsored Kyle Busch Toyota, and Mark McFarland will be his crew chief. Okay. Uh, driving the number 17 for David Gilliland Racing is Taylor Gray from Denver, North Carolina. He'll be driving the Ford Performance Ford. Chad Johnston will be on top of the pit box. Kevin Reed will be on top of the pit box for the Venturini Toyota, number 15, driven by the rookie Landon Pembleton from Amelia, Virginia. He'll be driving, uh, his sponsor is Mobile One. And next, we'll have a pair of Hillenburg uh, entries. The first one will be uh, driven by Willie Mullins in the number 12. He's out of Fred- Fredericksburg, Virginia, driving the CW Metals Crow Wing Recycling Toyota. And Robert Bruce will be on the box helping him out. And in the number 11, Chevrolet will be in, will be in Andy Hillenburg with Mike Strofe as his crew chief. He'll be driving the... Uh, Universal Technical Institute, Magnum Chevrolet, and he's out of West Fargo, North Dakota. And that's Bryce Hagenberg in the number 11. Bryce Zachary Hagenberg, Tinkle. there you go. Yeah, I almost forgot his name. Yeah. Zachary Tinkle will be behind the wheel of the number 10. He hails from Speedway, Indiana. Uh, another Hillenberg uh, machine, this one the Toyota. Dick Doheny will be his crew chief. And Kyle Totman, or Totman, uh, is the crew chief for the Eric Caudell, number seven, driven by Colton Collins out of Manford, Oklahoma. His sponsor, Red Tide Canopies, Cobalt Enterprises, CCM, and he'll be behind the wheel of that Chevrolet. And then our last two entries are both uh, Max Siegel entries, and uh, uh, driving the car number six will be Raja Karuth from Washington, D.C., He'll be in the Max Siegel Incorporated, St. Vincent and uh, Grenadines, Chevrolet with Brad Parrott as his crew chief. And on top of the box we'll, for Nick Sanchez will be Matt, Matt Butcher in the Chevrolet Max Siegel Incorporated car, and Nick Sanchez is in the number two, and he hails out of Miami, Florida. Okay, there you have it. All of the drivers for Elko Speedway, Menards 250, this weekend, uh, and uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Just to kind of let people know, the winner last week, and we kind of referenced it already, was Sammy Smith out at Berlin Raceway. And uh, Sammy Smith has been on, uh, he's, he's won a lot of races in the Arca East, but this was his first win in the Arkham Menard Series. He's hoping to make it two in a row this weekend out at Elko. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Exciting times at Elko this weekend. You don't want to miss it. it exactly right. And it is going to be available on Flow Racing 
uh, for those people who are members over there, so as well as MAP TV. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, move on now to the truck series. We're going to go to the news and notes, Sal, uh, and I think you found that, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start with the Camping World Truck Series. The Rackley Roofing 200 will take place in Nashville Super Speedway on Friday, June 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Television coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 199.5 miles over 150 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45. Stage 2 on lap 55, so that's 50 laps. And the last stage ends on the last lap, 150 for, what is that, 55 laps. (laughs) We're going to start with a rookie update. Then we go bottom up. Okay, rookie update. I've got to find the rookies. It's at the very bottom. It's okay, Sal. I know it's unusual. It's an unusual format this, for us. Yeah, it is. Um, gosh. I mean, and JP, he's got just, he's got so much. I can't, I, I can't find it. It's uh, part of the, the news and notes. You can't find the news and notes. I was just at the, it's news at the and very notes. bottom. Okay. Okay, you found the news and notes. Go all the way to the bottom. And it says, Sunoco Rookie of the Year update. Alan retakes the rookie standing lead. That's the very you bottom. Know what? I don't. <laughs> I was even in the Okay, news I'll go and ahead notes. and start then. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, then for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings had another shakeup after last weekend's dirt race at Knoxville Raceway. After recently falling back to second in the standings, Lawless Allen is back on top of the rookie's leaderboard. That comes after another top 20 finish this season, placing 18th at Knoxville. Allen and the number 45 Nice Motorsports team now have seven total top 20 finishes, the most among active full-time <laughs> Now ranked second in the rookie points is GMS Racing's Jack Wood. The 21-year-old driver of the 20, number 24 Chevrolet brought his team a 21st-place finish last Saturday at uh, Knoxville. Wood trails Allen by just nine points in the rookie standings. Uh, and looking ahead to Nashville this weekend, Wood is to build on his solid run last year where he set it on the front row and he actually finished in 11. Returning to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series this Friday is part-timer and the Kyle Busch Motorsports driver Corey Heim as the only rookie to win the race this season and one of two multi-time winners in the Camping World Truck Series. Heim looks to pick up right where he left off uh, from Worldwide Technology Raceway He'll compete for a win in the number 51 Toyota Tundra. Driving only a partial schedule this season, Heim has still managed to previously lead the rookie standings, having won two 
races at Atlanta in WWTR. Out of the six races he's run this season, after having the last two races off, I will uh, work to make up for missed time, and he uh, is hoping to take back control of the rookie standings. With no previous experience at Nashville, however, it's not going to be an easy feat. Dean Thompson of uh, Neath Motorsports is fourth in the rookie standings. The 20-year-old from Anaheim, California, that's real close to you, Sal. Uh, he came away from yeah, Nashville with a, 20, uh-huh. <laughs> with a 23rd place finish for his uh, number 40 Chevrolet. And like time, in having zero experience at Nashville, Thompson hopes to lead the weekend uh, a greater with a greater standing on the rookie leaderboard and more experience at a new track for himself. can be said for CR7 Motorsports rookie Blaine Perkins after a 25th place outing at Knoxville, the 22-year-old, again, your neck of the woods, Bakersfield, California, will look to gain any momentum he can find for his number nine Chevrolet Silverado uh, team heading into the final stretch of the regular season. Uh, next up is uh, the season competition update. Did you find it, Sal? Okay, you know what? I, I I found the I found the rookie of the year. What you're talking about it's right now? One up and then, uh, okay, so the 2022 Camping World Truck Series season competition oh, yeah, it is, update. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, it says uh, the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season has been action-packed all year long. And the stats back it up. For 2022 season has been has seen eight different pole winners and ten different race winners. Plus, the 2022 season have produced an average of 7.08 liters per race and an average of 12.62 lead changes per race through the first 13 races of the year. In total, 26 different drivers have led this season in the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series. In addition, the 2022 NASCAR Camper World Truck Series season has produced 272 green flag passes for the lead, the fourth most since the inception of the loop data stat in 2007. Behind the 2020 season, 359, 2018, 343, and 2019, 330. The first 13 races in the 2022 Capital World Truck Series season has also produced 20,022 total green flag passes throughout the field. The third most since the statistic was initially tabulated in 2007, behind the 2020 season, 20,870, and 2021, 20,281. Looking at Nashville Super Speedway this weekend, the 2021 Camping World Truck Series race at the 1.33-mile track generated eight lead changes among the six different drivers. Okay. Next up, we have the playoff bubble. There's five spots left to fill in the next three races. With three races left in the Camping World Truck Series regular season, time is winding down in order for drivers to make the playoffs. As it stands, the last two drivers seated ninth and 10th in the series driver standings are Grant Finfinger and Matt Crafton. 
And Inkfinger's first season back with the new look GMS Racing, he's racked up a solid three top fives and seven top tens on the season. Crafton, a long-tenured veteran of Thorsport Racing's roster, he sits just above the cut line with one top seven top ten. Now, heading into Nashville, Crafton will look to utilize his extensive experience of 14 starts at that track to distance himself from the cut line, while Ingfinger hopes to remain consistent. Those drivers that are sitting below the cut line include a mix of eager drivers hoping to race for the championship. Derek Cross of McAnally Hilgerman Racing leads the group, sitting 27 points back from the cut line. The driver of the 19 Chevrolet had a solid weekend at Knoxville, starting the race from the pole and finishing in sixth. Cross and his team aimed to carry that speed into Nashville Super Speedway, a track where he has also won the pole in 2021 and brought home a fifth-place finish. Excuse me. <clears throat> Matt DiBenedetto sits just behind Cross in the playoff outlook standings in 12th. In his first year driving the number 25 Chevrolet for Rackley Ward, uh, Benedetto has yet to finish a race in the top five, but he has garnered six top tens on the year. Coming into Nashville, he has two previous starts from two different series. He finished 10th driving part-time for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series team in 2010, along with a 24th place finish last year in the Cup Series for Wood Brothers Racing. Being 43 back points back of, from the cut line, Benedetto needs to lock in competitively for the next three races if he wants to point his way into the playoffs. In a similar situation as Tanner Gray, he hopes to gain ground on those ahead of him with a dwindling number of races to do so. The 21-year-old from Cartesia, New Mexico, sits 50 points back from making the playoffs in his third year of full-time truck series racing. The number 15 team for DGR uh, Racing has uh, shown glimpses of speed with Gray behind the wheel. His most recent finish at Nashville was an 18th, uh, and that came after having to start from the rear of the field. He's going to look to make the same kind of headway toward the front this weekend as he hopes to add another Ford into the playoff bracket. Tyler Ankrum sits 14th in the series playoff outlook. He still has a shot to point his way into the playoffs. Coming off two straight top 10 finishes at Sonoma and Knoxville, the driver in the number 16 for Tory Racing Enterprises, Toyota, has had a streak of solid runs. Ankrum will need to improve on a 23rd place finish last year at Nashville if he hopes to keep his playoff hopes alive. So now we're going to look at the regular season champion watch again with just three races to go. The battle for the 2022 NASCAR Capital Truck Series regular season championships is heating up with just three races left until the playoffs kick off. The top four drivers in the series driver standings following Knoxville Raceway are separated by only 14 points with Kyle Busch, Motorsports, John Hunter Nemechek in the standing lead. Kyle Busch Motorsports, John Hunter Nemechek won last season's NASCAR Cat World Truck Series regular season championship and looks to become the first driver since the inception of the regular season title of the series in 2017 to win multiple championships. 
Former Camping World Truck Series regular season champions include Christopher Bell in 2017, Johnny Sauter in 2018, Grant Enfinger in 2019, Austin Hill in 2020, and John Hunter Hunter Nemechek in 2020. Nemechek currently holds the point standings led by five points over front row, over front motorsports driver Zane Smith in second, followed by Thor Sport Racing and the 2021 series champion, Ben Rhodes, who's only 10 uh, points back. In third, and 10, minus 10 in third, and Nemechek's KBM teammate, Chandler Smith, is 14 points back in fourth. All four of the regular season title contenders this season made their series track debuts at Nashville Super Speedway last season. Zay Smith had the best finish of the four and fourth, followed by Rhodes, seventh, Nemechek, tenth, and Chandler Smith at 13th. Okay. Uh, real quick, because we're running out of time here again, I'm just going to mention the drivers that have already clinched their chance into the playoffs, uh, and that includes John Hunter Nemechek, uh, Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Chandler Smith, and Stuart Friesen. Uh That is five drivers to the 10-driver postseason. Uh, drivers that can clinch via points if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who can advance to the playoffs, the following drivers could clinch by being 11 points, 111 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements will hold true if a new win comes from either Time Majeski, Christian Ecke, or Carson Hosevi this weekend. Time Majeski, however, can only clinch with help or if Christian Ecke's wins, or if Christian Ecke's win and help. So uh, that's where we are with the truck series uh, as it stands right now. Moving on to the Xfinity series, uh, the Xfinity series is also racing at uh, Nashville Super Speedway in the Tennessee Lottery 250 on Saturday, June the 25th, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised, mark this down, because it's going to be on USA at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage will be on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.04 miles over 188 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90, so that's another 45 laps, and the last lap, the last stage ends on the last lap of 188, and that would be for, what, 48 laps. Uh, Sal, for the Xfinity Series, we're going to start with uh, Nashville. No, wait a second. (laughs) Let me get to it. Uh, The competition update. Okay, the competition update is... For the extended I was just series. following you right now. Yeah, I was just following you right now, too. It's on the same page, right? It's on the same page. Again, you go down uh, to where it says NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and it's just about that. I'll go ahead and do that, and then you can go in with the next one. Uh, the oh, yeah, there it is right here. Yeah, it's right, it, it, yeah, it was right in front of you. You got it? Yeah, I'm sorry. The 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series season has placed 
staff's at the edge of their seats all year long, and the staffs are here to back it up. The 2022 season has seen nine different poll winners and nine different race winners. Plus, the 2022 season have produced an average of 7.14 liters per race and an average of 13.0 lead changes per race through the first 14 races of the year. In total, 32 different drivers have led laps this season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the most since 2018 when 38 drivers uh, held that record. In addition, the 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series season has produced 355 green flag passes for the lead, second most since the inception of the loop data stat in 2007, behind only the 2015 season, season 364. The first 14 races in the 2022 Xfinity Series season have also produced 33,350 total green flag passes throughout the field. The series most since the statistic was initially tabulated in 2007. The next highest was the 2012 season with 28,533. Looking at Nashville Super Speedway this weekend, the 2021 Xfinity Series race at the 1.33-mile track generated 12 lead changes among the five different leaders. Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch led the most laps in last season's Xfinity race at Nashville with 122 of the scheduled 189 laps out front, with that was an average of 64.5%. Bush, of course, won the event. <laughs> okay, now Sammy Smith is. Oh, okay, Sammy Smith, the rating ARCA. The reigning Arkham and Arts Series East champion with Joe Gibbs Racing has now been called up to pilot the number 18 JGR Toyota and select races of the NASCAR Xfinity Series. His Xfinity Series career debut will be at Road America on Saturday, July 2nd. He will also be behind the wheel for the races at Pocono, Michigan, Watkins Glen Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway, Martinsville, and of course the season-ending championship race at Phoenix Raceway. The 18-year-old driver will be the seventh to pilot the number 18 this season after Trevor Bay, Ryan Truex, Drew Dollar, John Hunter Nemechek, Bubba Wallace, and Connor Mozak. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Julia, okay. Julia Landauer is set to make her Xfinity Series debut at New Hampshire. Alpha Prime Racing announced this week that Julia Landauer is making her first uh, Xfinity Series debut at New Hampshire on Saturday, July the 16th, driving the number 45 Chevrolet for Alpha Prime Racing. So uh, we've got that to look forward to. So. Oh yeah, it's going to be it's going to be neat to see her get <clears throat> excuse me see her get back behind the wheel again. It's, man, it's been a long time since a few years since we even had her back since we had her on the show. Yep. But um, Sieg is uh, looking to open up a huge points cushion over Alfredo. With 12 races left in the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season, the battle for the final five remaining playoff spots is still very much up in the air. But one thing is for certain is that RSS Racing's Ryan Sieg, currently in the 12th and final transfer position on points, has built up a hefty points cushion on the competitors outside the postseason cutoff. 
heading into Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. Sieg is up 58 points on our motorsports, Anthony Alfredo in 13th. 67 points up on Jeb Burton in 14th. That's 71 points up on Brett Moffitt in 15th. If Sieg can stay consistent over the next 12 races, it will be hard to catch with that big of a points cushion. But if a driver below him in the standings were to win, he would be bounced out of the playoff contention. Look at a Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. Yeah, that, that would be that'd be a heartbreaker for him. Look at a Nashville Super Speedway this weekend for the Tennessee Lottery 250. Sieg made his track debut at Nashville last season. He started 13th to finish 16th. On the drivers outside the postseason cutoff, looking to catch Sieg and make the playoffs. Jeff Burton, 7th, posted the best finish in last season's race. At the 1.33-mile track, followed by Jeremy Clements, 11th, Brett Moffitt, 23rd, Mike Snyder, 31st, and Brandon Brown, 35th. Anthony Alfredo, who is 58 points behind Sieg, and Sheldon Creed, wow, who's 73 points behind Sieg, will be making their series track debuts at Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. Okay, now there are some ringers to watch this weekend. Although it's a fairly new track for many of these Xfinity Series drivers, there's one driver in particular that's been around the series long enough to face some experience to look back on, and that's junior motorsports driver Justin Algauer. Algauer has seven starts at Nashville Super Speedway, posting four top fives and four top tens. He's also won a pole at the Tennessee track in 2010, and he put up a good fight last year. Uh, going back and forth for the lead against Kyle Busch in the last 38 laps. Ultimately, Busch took the lead on the last two laps, and Algauer ended up reaching runner-up. Algauer has already posted a win this season at Darlington, a track that's almost identical in length to Nashville Superway, so uh, maybe he'll bring home a second victory this weekend. Josh Berry has only one start at Nashville, but is sure to give his junior motorsports teammate Al Gower a run for his money, just as he's done all season long. The last season at Nashville, Barry raced his way up to fourth place finish after starting at the 22nd spot and has been neck and neck with Al Gower on tracks in the mile, mile and a half range this season. In Las Vegas, a 1.5-mile track, Barry finished fourth, Al Gower finished fifth, in Dover, a one-mile track, Barry won the race. Algauer finished runner-up. In Texas, a 1.5-mile track, Algauer had a fourth-place finish. Not far behind was Barry in seventh. Given that these teammates tend to not stray far from each other on the track, fans can be sure to see the pair racing near the front on Saturday afternoons. Tennessee Lottery 250. But another driver that's sure to impress in the Music City this weekend is college racing's A.J. Allmendinger. Like Barry, Allmendinger has only given the Nashville track one go, but he finished in the top five with a fifth-place finish. Al Gower has been hot all season long. He already has two wins under his belt at Coda and Portland, seven top fives, 13 top tens, Plus, he's coming off a win in Portland. So let's see if he can carry that momentum in his race at Nashville. And then we go to Nashville, place of first. 
Nashville Super Speedway has been a place of first for some drivers. Seven of the 14 race winners were first-time winners when the series competed in the track from 2001 to 2011. Uh, Greg Biffle, uh, first-time winner, won in 2001. Scott Riggs in 2002. Jack Sprague in 2002. Jason Leffler in 2004. Reed Sorensen in 2005. Clint Boyer in 2005 and Brad Keselowski in 2008. This weekend, we could see an eighth winner added to the first-timers winners list as 25 of the 41 Xfinity Series drivers entered for this weekend's Tennessee Lottery 250 have yet to post a series win. Okay. So for the Xfinity Series, they just had a two-week break, and now they're going to head back to Tennessee for the lottery our Tennessee Lottery 250 at Nashville Super Speedway on Saturday. Uh, the Xfinity Series found its way back to Nashville Super Speedway last year after a 10-year hiatus. In last year's race, it was Cup Series regular Kyle Busch who made the trip to victory lane after leading 122 of 189 laps. Uh, Nashville has hosted 22 Xfinity Series races. The inaugural race was on April 14th of 2001, that was won by Greg Biffle. After the 2001 race, the Xfinity Series raced at the Nashville track twice a year through 2011. And prior to last season's race, Paul Edwards was the most recent winner and currently sits as the winningest driver at the track, uh, winning in 2006, 2007 sweep, and the 2011 sweep. He also holds the record for the most top fives with 11 the most top tens with 12, and the most lead lap finishes with 13. In total, there have been 15 different pole winners and 14 different race winners. Joey Logano is both the youngest pole winner and the race winner in the Trinity Series, having won the pole at 18 years, zero months, and 14 days. And the race the following year, he won the race the following year at 18 years, 10 months, and 11 days old. On-track action is set to begin with practice on Friday, June 24th at 5.35 p.m. That's Eastern Time, followed by qualifying at 12 p.m. Eastern. And on Saturday, June 5th, you can watch the race on USA Network. You can watch all of that on USA Network. So uh, next, we're going to move on to the uh, Cup Series of before we do that cup series, I do have some pre-race audio uh, from our last week's winner in the cup series, first-time winner in the cup series, and that was uh, Todd Gilliland. He's going to talk just a little bit about that win and what that means to him and uh, looking ahead to Nashville this weekend. So let me pull that up here. Todd Gilliland, uh, the media talked to him on Wednesday, June 22nd. He drives for Front Row Motorsports in the number 38. Uh, Todd Gilliland, driver of the number 38 Boot Barn Ford Mustang, coming up weekend at Knoxville Raceway in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Good to have you joining us here, Todd. Appreciate your time. 
Uh, we got some questions lined up here, so we'll just kind of get started right off the bat. Let's go to Jenna Fryer. Go ahead, Jenna. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? How are you doing, Todd? Congratulations. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. I'm curious um, about when truck series that you're trying to make relevant in the truck series. I mean, what can that do for a driver's confidence and and, and is you can take in the national? Yeah, so I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot. It's, uh, and I think just life in general. You know, it's really if you go into something with a lot of confidence. Oh, no, it froze up. <laughs> Whoa, hello. Uh, man, everything just froze. <laughs> we're, we're still here. I still got time. Okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, I, truck series, uh, just the wind will give me a lot more confidence. Um, anyway, it seems like snowmo was so long ago. And then, you know, I think just that is a good break um, to kind of reset. Um, but then, you know, the truck series went on top of it. Yeah, I think I was going to go back into Nashville, probably the most confident, most ready I've, you know, been this year to, um, you know, kind of just attack the racetrack. The Cup Series will do a really good job of taking confidence away from you. So anything you do to get confidence back is definitely going to be So how is this, you mentioned that Cup Series will take confidence from you. How is this first season so far as sort of halfway point? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like it's been up and down. Um, there's been a lot of things I've been proud of that we've done. I actually started out the year actually probably a little bit better than I expected. And then things got pretty tough. You know, we had just a few issues with cars that, you know, kind of self-induced issues and then um, put ourselves in some bad situations. I wrecked my first lap at Dover in practice. And, um, definitely just made my fair share of mistakes. So, um, yeah, that's all very frustrating because, I mean, I kind of expect to not – make those mistakes, but I guess, you know, once it happens, there's really nothing to do except learn from it. So, um, like I said, I'm excited to have, you know, an off weekend, but everyone kind of just get, you know, back in the groove of things. It's a really scheduled. That's one thing I've learned, sure. So, um, and it goes for the whole team. So, I think, uh, I mean, hopefully you hit the ground running here and just have a little bit more speed. Has your dad prepared you at all for how tough this 38 weeks is? Just one week off? Yeah, I mean, he, uh, Man, I think it's one of the things, like, I knew it was going to be hard on the team, but it's, it's been the most hard thing. Like, even at Daytona, like, the whole week of it, like, man, it's just so busy. And then we go straight into the West Coast swing, and you're like, oh, my God, am I ever going to catch up on sleep or get ahead on anything? So, um, after that, it's been nice to, like, be racing kind of closer to home where we get home in at least an hour. And, um, but it really makes a huge difference. Like, you know, the truck series where you get, you know, a day or to recover before going back at it for the next week where this is it's right back into it. So yeah. I've been learning a lot and I feel like it's honestly something that you, know, you can talk about but you're not really prepared for until you do it. And my last question you did get to race uh, <clears throat> excuse me at Nashville last year. So what do you know about the track? How do you like it? I had a lot of fun at Nashville last year. Um I think we were fastest in practice. We had a tech issue so we didn't get to qualify but I finished second in the race. So um, it seemed like we were pretty fast last year. We were out of the bat. Um, so I'm excited for it. I think the resin on the racetrack made it really fun. Um, it watched stuff in the past. It seemed like it was really on the bottom, just one lane. So I think NASCAR did a really good job with the racetrack. Um, so honestly, yeah, I'm super excited to be back. Great. Thanks, Bob. See you again. Awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jen. Let's go to Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, um, Todd. I'm curious. At the start of the year, all the talk was this good year to be a rookie because the next gen card, nobody has notes and everything. So I'm curious how uh, you're happy to it. Do you think there's any benefit in trying to break into the Cup Series this year compared to other years? Yeah, I think I'm almost still in the same place that same feelings on this as it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, there's positives and negatives to it for sure. Like, you know, when we go to the racetrack, I feel like, you know, the Kevin Harvick's, the Martin Truex, you know, those guys even are taking, you know, a lap or two or maybe even a whole hunt to get up to speed, which I would be doing as a rookie with the old car, but they just be, you know, multiple steps ahead of me, you know, just starting off so much more, so much faster, I, I would say. But, you know, for this, for, so last year they had so much data, you could feel confident that the team would start, you know, pretty close. Um, on setup that you can trust the car, whereas this, like, we're all learning together at all of these racetracks. So I feel like that makes me a little bit more nervous to go out there and, you know, honestly, a little bit unprepared at times just because there's no nothing to watch, like nothing to prepare yourself at all. So, um, but I don't know. So, like I said, I think there's positives and negatives, but um, I think overall it's anything because I'm learning the car at the same, same rate as uh, my whole team. Thank you. Okay, we'll let that be it for Todd Gilliland tonight. Um, your thoughts about his comments, Phil? You know, Sharon, it was kind of hard to hear. It was like breaking up, and, and it was real sketchy. So I really didn't catch oh, too I'm much of, you know, yeah, what he said. You know, I just caught, you know, got a glimpse of, you know, the last part. But I, from the questions they were asking, you know, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of like I said. It was, it was hard to hear what his comments were. I'd like to hear. Him, well, know. basically, he was saying. Let me kind of. Uh, I can read some of it here from my email. Uh, give me a second. Uh, he was just kind of saying. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. The question was, can a win like last weekend? Uh, what can you do for your confidence? And is there any carryoff? Uh, carryover that you can take in Nashville. And he said he was thinking about a lot. I think a win can give her a lot more confidence. It seems like Sonoma was so long ago. And then I think that uh, just as good a break to kind of uh, reset. But then the went on top of it, I feel like I'm going to go back into Nashville probably the most confident and probably the most ready I've been this year to uh, kind of just attack the racetrack, the Cup Series will do a really good job at taking confidence away from you. So anything you can do to get confidence back is definitely a good thing. Yeah, you so, know what, and that's kind of, you know, and, and you know what, and that's, that's kind of what you expect here from Tata. You know what, um, I've been around, you, you know, I've been around Tata a lot when he's coming into K&N, you know, with all his wins. Mm-hmm. So I've seen his confidence level, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when he speaks about confidence, you know, he he really needed that win this past week because everybody knows that he was getting, you know, a lot of heat from, you know, from the fans. But, I mean, he really just never had a – he really couldn't put a solid – and we talked about this on our show, you know, about him, you know, getting mm-hmm. a good solid, you know, uh, you know, some good solid weeks and, you know, where he can, you know, just capitalize. And, and he just, man, it seemed like the luck was just going – everything was going against him. You know, this, this win at, at – 
at Knoxville, especially on the dirt, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, it's a huge confidence booster. It's something they really need. And he's a type that can, he's a type of driver. I, I feel that they can feed off of it. And I think we're going to see big things from him going, you know, into the, into the rest of the season, you know, just like he said, you know, with this win alone, you know, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to yeah. be huge for, you know, for, for Todd Gillen and no matter if he, no matter what truck, no matter where, where they put him to race, but, you know, he's going to go in there with a lot of confidence. I, I know he's going to go with a lot of confidence. Benny was asked, uh, how has your first season been so far in the Cup Series? And he said, I feel like it's been up and down. There's a, there are a lot of things that I've been proud of that we've done. I feel like we started out the year probably a little bit better than I expected, and then things got pretty tough. We had a few issues with the cars that were kind of self-induced issues. I've put ourselves in some bad situations. I wrecked my first lap at Silver in practice and definitely have made my share of rookie mistakes. That's all very frustrating because I kind of expect to do, to do not to make those mistakes, but then I guess once it happens, there's really nothing you can do except to learn from it. I definitely was excited to have an off weekend, but everyone kind of just, uh, but everyone kind of just get back into the groove of things now. It's uh, it's a grueling schedule. That's one thing I've learned for sure. And that goes for the whole team. So hopefully we hit the ground running here and have a little bit more speed. You know, the big advantage he has with all that is that his dad, you know, ran the Cup Series. You know, his dad ran, you know, all mm-hmm. the different series, you know, but, you know, he ran. So, I mean, you know, as far as getting advice, you know what, I mean, sure, he, he can – he can glean on different, you know, drivers that he's that he's become close with, you know, as he's coming through the ranks. I know he met, I heard something about Kevin Harvick in there, but I mean, you know what? I mean, what what better what better advice can you get than from your own dad who's been there, and you know, and who's been where Todd is right now, you know, and and That's even true. we've talked about, you know, without no practice, you know what? It, it's hard for these guys to transition from, you know, trucks, Xfinity wherever they're coming from in the cup because it's without that extra practice time and that's where I get them on Friday and Saturday. You know, these guys are barely, mm-hmm. you know, they're unloading and having to get used to the car and, you know, whatever is given to them, that's what they have. You know, there's not really much they can do because they don't have no time to make no adjustments. It's funny that you say that because the next question was, has your dad prepared you for how tough the season is with only one week off? And he said, yeah, I think it's one of those things that's going to be hard, but it's been the hardest thing. Even like Daytona for the whole week, I was like, man, this is so busy. And then we go straight into the West Coast swing, and you're like, oh, my God, am I ever going to catch up on sleep or get ahead on anything? After that, it's been nice to be racing kind of closer to home when we get home at a decent hour, but it really makes a huge difference from the truck series where you get a day or two to recover before going back at it for the next week, where this is right back into it. I've been learning a lot, and I feel like, honestly, it's something that you can talk about, but you're not really prepared for it until you do it, and that's that's probably really true. Oh, yeah, it has to be. You know what I mean? Look how many races they run a season, you know. And then, like you say, you know, the trucks. I mean, they they take two, three walk, two, three weeks off at a time. You know, with the cup, there ain't no, you know, there's a week off. You know, and I mean, it's just a it's a full on grind. You know, and, and you know, um, 
I, I don't I don't even know how the older guys do it, especially the ones with kids. You know, it's gotta it's gotta be tough. I mean, you know what? And and mm-hmm. even even Todd, you know, he said, and he's a young guy, you know, that it, you know it's taking its toll on him. You know, so you know it's um. You know, it's, next, uh, it's grueling. Yeah. Now, the next question they asked him, we didn't play it, but they asked him, you ran the trucks at Nashville last year. What did you learn about the track? And he said he had a lot of fun at Nashville last year. I think we were fastest in practice. We had a tech issue, so we didn't get to qualify, but I finished second in the race. It seemed like we were pretty fast last year right off the bat, so I'm excited for it. I think the resin on the racetrack made it really fun. Watching stuff in the past, it seemed like it was really on the bottom, just one lane. So I think NASCAR did a really good job with the racetrack. And honestly, I'm super excited to go to the track. So that's really good. Uh, he's got some confidence to take with him into Nashville this weekend. And uh, I don't know. I think it will help him get through his program. Yeah, I mean, he, he needed it. I mean, he needed that confidence. I mean, every, all the drivers need it. I don't, you know, you know, and, and it's That's it's true. tough. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough series. I mean, we're we're following it week after week. You know, just like everybody else is. You know, everybody has their own different take, their own different angle on it. But the bottom line is, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us could actually go week to week, traveling, get get in the car and race all those miles, and then get out of the car, and then travel home, and then Monday be back at the shop to debrief and then you're getting the car ready for the next week. And I mean, you're only like, seems like, like three days at wherever you're at, you know, you're back, you're yep. back on the plane again, you know, traveling. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it can't be easy. Yeah. It's a pretty tough. Okay. We're going to uh, go ahead and move on to the cup series race. The ally 400 that's going to take place at Nashville super speedway on Sunday, June the 26th. Uh, we'll start at 5 p.m. time with NBC carrying the coverage this week. It's the first race of their stint. Uh, radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 399 miles over 300 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 90. Stage 2 ends on lap 185 for 95 laps. And the final stage ends on lap 300 for 113, I'm sorry, 115 laps. So in the Cup Series, we're going to start off with um, the first-time winners uh, of 20 in 2022. Okay. Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez became the fourth different first-time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series this season after grabbing the victory at Sonoma Raceway. Joining Team Penske's Austin Sidrick at Daytona, Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe at Phoenix, and Trackhouse Racing's um, Ross Chastain at Coda. If the NASCAR Cup Series were to see another first-time winner this season, the 2022 season would tie the 2001, 2002, and 2011 seasons for the most first-time Cup Series winners in a single season in the modern era from 1972 to the current 2022 at five first-time winners each. First-time cup winners in 2001, Michael Waltrip, Daytona, Kevin Harvick, Atlanta, Elliot Sadler, Bristol, Ricky Craven, Martinsville, 
and Robbie Gordon at New Hampshire. First-time winners in 2002 was Kurt Busch at Bristol, Jimmy Johnson Auto Club, Ryan Newman, New Hampshire, Jamie Murray, Charlotte, and Johnny Benson in Rockingham. First-time winners in 2011 were Trevor Bain. I didn't know it was that long ago since he won his Daytona race. Um, Reagan Smith at Darlington, David Reagan at Daytona, Paul Menard at Indianapolis, and Marcos Ambrose at Watkins Glen. That group right there in 2011 has to be the most underdogs that have ever won a race, and then they're in the record books. <laughs> when you think they're about in it, in the record books because those were all underdogs, <laughs> That's all right. of them. Not one of them received an award. Okay. Uh, WWE superstar Seamus are to be honorary starter at Nashville Super Speedway. A Dublin, Ireland native, Seamus is a four-time WWE world champion as well as a former U.S. champion and tag team champion. This weekend, the wrestling superstar has been tapped by Nashville Super Speedway to wave the green flag to start the Ally 400 as America's top drivers take on the NASCAR's biggest concrete track for the second consecutive year. So uh, look for Seamus uh, to be at Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. But there's another superstar that's going to be there. There's another superstar. Yep, and that's going to be global music superstar Katie Brown has been named the Grand Marshal of the Alley 400 Nashville. Five-time American Music Award winner Kane Brown will serve as the Grand Marshal for the NASCAR Cup Series race Alley 400 at Natural Super Speedway on Sunday, June 26th. Brown, known for the chart-topping hits, One Mississippi, and Be Like That as well as his latest hit, Like I Love Country Music, will give NASCAR's top drivers the command to start their engines before the 4 p.m. Central Time race. Recently named to the Time 100 Most Influential People in the World list, the Chattanooga, Tennessee native first made history in October 2017 as the first artist to lead all five of Billboard's main country charts simultaneously and has gone on to amass seven number one hits in country radio. We can't wait to welcome Kane Brown to Nashville Super Speedway next month as part of our celebration around the Alley 400 said Eric Moses, Nashville Super Speedway's president. As Middle Tennessee's home for NASCAR racing and entertainment, we are thrilled to be able to host America's top drivers and the top entertainers at the same time. We look forward to ensuring that Kane experiences the best that NASCAR has to offer this June. Nash, NASCAR, not NASCAR, <laughs> NASCAR. I saw that. <laughs> it still be off right I was like, what? I, there's a typo. <laughs> Okay, there's also Grammy-winning country duo Brothers Osborne. Uh, they are going to be on hand to perform the pre-race at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, it's country music duo Brothers Osborne, who won their first Grammy Award this year, that will be hitting the stage to entertain fans at Nashville Super Speedway uh, before the Ally 400 in the Cup Series race on Sunday. Brothers Osborne's siblings, John and TJ Osborne, will perform at approximately 2 p.m. from the pre-race concert stage located on Pitt Road. So, uh, and that is local time. So next, uh, the next-gen car is producing some great competition this year. 
Yeah, it is. It's uh, action-packed, like like you said. Okay, now where are we at? <laughs> That's where we're at. The action-packed racing has been the norm this season. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it has been the norm. I guess we agree on something finally, huh? <laughs> yeah, how about it? <laughs> <laughs> Besides you calling me Jay, who you haven't called me all all show, so I'm really happy for that. I'm taking this this show to the bank. Anyways, action <laughs> packed right. racing has been the norm this season, thanks to the introduction of the next gen car in the NASCAR Cup Series. And with 16 races in the books, the stats keep adding up. A total of 12 different race winners through the first 16 races of the 2022 season ties the 2000 and 2012 seasons for most winners through 16 races of the modern era, 1972 to two, huh? Second most. 2022. Oh, second most. Oh, second most. Age is catching up. My eyes are going out on me. I need to tune oh, that's okay. Be, behind the great. 2000- done great, <laughs> Behind the 2003 season with 13 winners. Of the 12 different race winners this season, four are first-time Cup Series winners, Team Penske's Austin Sidrick. We already, Sharon, I, I, I did this one. I don't think so. This is Austin Sidrick. He was the Daytona 500 winner. Then there was Chase Briscoe at Phoenix. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I did one that was like it. At Trackhouse was okay. racing, yeah, okay. Ross Chastain at Coda and Daniel Suarez at Sonoma. The NASCAR Cup Series record for the most first-time winners in a single season of the modern era, 1970 through 72 through 2022. It's five first-time winners, and it, it has occurred three times, 2001, 2002, and 2011. The 2022 Cup... Yeah, it's throwing me off. I'm reading, I'm like, man, I'm having a deja vu. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season has also produced 786 green flag passes for the lead. The series most through the first 16 races of a season since the loop data statistic was initially tabulated in 2007, the last 16 races seasons. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season is averaging 49.1 green flag passes for the lead per race, up 35.3% from the 16-year average of 31.8 per race. On top of all that, seven tracks have set records in green flag passes for the lead in the NASCAR Cup Series this season, including Circuit of the Americas, 30, Atlanta Motor Speedway, 14 green flag Green flag 141. Green flag passes a lap. Las Vegas Motor Speedway with a, with 57. Bristol Motor Speedway. Dirt with 20. Donington Raceway with 28. Kansas Speedway with 41. And Charlotte Motor Speedway with 64. Okay. We're now going to move on to three lengthy playoff stake streets are in jeopardy. <laughs> Three former Cup Series champions, including Martin Truex Jr., uh, going back to 2017, Kevin Harvick, 2014, uh, when he won his championship, and Brad Keselowski, 2012, 
when he won his championship. This year, they have yet to secure their spots in this season's playoffs. Now, putting their lengthy postseason streaks in jeopardy as the series heads to Nashville for the Ally 400 on Sunday. Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr., the 2017 Cup Series champion, is uh, currently in the best position in the standings of the three former champions. He sits 14th in the playoff outlook after Sonoma. He's 65 points up on the postseason cutoff. Now, Truex right now is riding a streak of seven consecutive seasons, making the playoffs, and in total has earned a spot in the postseason Cup Series nine times in his career, uh, going back uh, to 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 2012, and 07. Truex has also had a, on a winless streak that has reached 24 races going back to Richmond of 2021, and he's looking to win his way into the playoffs this weekend at Nashville. In last season's Nashville Super Speedway race, Truex struggled, but is hoping for this time around in the next-gen car for it to be different. Last season, Truex started 35th and finished in 22nd. Stuart Hawes Racing's Kevin Harvick has had an impressive career, but the veteran hasn't visited Victory Lane in the series since Bristol of 2020. That was 59 races ago. He now finds himself 17th in the Cup Series playoff outlook. He's seven points back from his teammate Eric Almarola in the 16th and final playoff transfer spot. Harvick is also riding a streak of 12 consecutive seasons, the most among active drivers, where he has earned a spot in the playoffs and is currently tied with Jimmy Johnson, Danny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, and Kurt Busch for the career most postseason appearances at 15 each. Harvick's career playoff seasons go from 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, and 12, 11, 10, and then it goes to 8, 7, and 6. Harvick ran well at Nashville last season. It might be worth keeping an eye on this weekend. In last season's inaugural cup race in Nashville, Harvick started 12th and raced his way up to a fifth-place finish. Following the penalty at the beginning of the season, RFK Racing's Brad Kazlowski has been buried in the point standings, but he now faces the reality of his streak of that consecutive seasons of earning a spot in the playoffs uh, being in jeopardy. In total, Kazlowski has earned 10 career appearances in the Cup Series playoffs in 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, and then it goes to 12 and 11. Kazlowski now sits 30th in the driver's standings, the last postseason eligible position. He's 196 points back from Eric Almarola in that final transfer spot. Kazlowski is mathematically eligible to point his way into the playoffs, but it's going to be nearly impossible. The easiest way uh, into the postseason playoffs for Kazlowski is to get a win. But he, too, is on a winless streak that has reached 42 races going back to Talladega of 2021. Now, last year at uh, Nashville in the cup race, Kozlowski started 15th. He finished 23rd. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson currently holds the record in the NASCAR Cup Series for the longest streak 
a consecutive playoff appearances, going 15 straight seasons from 2004 to wow. 2018. So we're going to have to end it there because we're just a couple of minutes away from starting our cup series. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, our NASCAR hot topic sound off segment. Uh, but first of all, I want to say thank you, Sal, for being here tonight. You did a great job. And uh, I appreciate you taking time out here today uh, to help us out uh, by filling in for Jay while he's on vacation. Oh, yeah, not a problem. I enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, asking me. I mean, it, it was kind of a struggle at first, but now I'm kind of see how you guys fast paced. How we roll? A lot faster. <laughs> a lot faster than our Monday night show, man. This this was this was moving. Yeah, it is. It really moves. Uh, because yeah, I, we've got so much to cover, and sometimes we can't even get it all in, as you can see, uh, because of the fast pace that we have to keep in order to get all of our preview done. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it was fast-paced. But you did a good job, and... Uh, uh, you see how we roll on Thursday nights now, so if you ever need to sub in again, you'll have a better idea of, of how it goes. Uh, but oh, yeah, uh, we're getting ready for <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you're going to be in a racetrack this week, Sal? No, I'm off until uh, uh, until the 9th. Oh, Okay. So we'll look back we'll, uh, yeah. so we'll talk to you about that uh, as we get closer to the night. Uh, but again, yeah, thanks don't for being here. Mo- we'll look forward. Yes. Yeah, don't forget Monday night we um, have Derek Thorne on the show. That's right. We've got Derek Thorne. And then we also have uh, Joe Graff. Well, tentatively. I have told you, Joe Kraft Jr. We're going to get somebody. Uh, I've got somebody working okay. on it, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, if Joe Kraft Jr. Uh, can finally make his appearance here on Damper Racing Radio. So, at the 9 o'clock half hour. All right. So, I've got Derek Thorne on the schedule, so we'll look forward to talking to him again. All right. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a, everybody have a safe weekend, and... Uh... Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday night. Okay. Thanks a lot, Sal. Take care now. Okay. Good night. Okay. Okay. Good night. Okay. Good night. All right. Uh, joining me for Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight is none other than Mike Rosal. Welcome to the show, Mike. Am, am, am I on the air? Is this a radio show? It's been so long, I forget how this thing goes. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Yes, you are on the air for our hot topic sound off here tonight. Uh, I believe it's only going to be you and I. I haven't heard from Tommy at all today. I know Jay is on vacation. Andy is working hard as ever. And uh, we got to talk to Andy last week or last Monday, and we had all kinds of technical difficulties. Uh, But we're glad that uh, you're here with us here tonight. 
Well, it's good to be back. Unfortunately, this is probably going to be the, the last one I'm on for another week or two because I'm going back to work next week. But I'm glad I'm able to make it today, and at least we can make a show out of the two of us. It's going to be pretty fast-paced. And I don't know if I've got a whole hour worth of content in me, especially coming off of an off week. But we'll do what we can to fill the space here. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first hot topic that you'd like to discuss? Well, I, I – I hate to, to start with a downer, but we found out yesterday that longtime Speedway Motorsports president and NASCAR Hall of Famer Burton Smith passed away at 95 years old. So we've lost another one of the kind of the founding members of what we know of today as NASCAR. Yeah, it's kind of a double whammy for me because he was born the same year as my dad. And I lost my dad in 2016. So I was thinking, man, he would have been 95 years old this year. But, um, you know, Bruton Smith uh, has roots in NASCAR that go very, very deep. And it's going to be a huge hole uh, that he leaves. I know his son, Marcus uh, Smith, is kind of taking up the reins for him uh, in the most recent years here. But Bruton Smith, uh, I was reading some of his biography and uh, how he got started with uh, selling cars in his mother's front yard. And, uh, you know, uh, he became a promoter uh, from being doing that. And then he got an opportunity to promote a race at a racetrack, and that's where it all began. And uh, he's done a great job of being a promoter of racing in NASCAR with Speedway uh, uh, Motorsports, and uh, he also founded Speedway Charities uh, for children. So uh, he, he's been a uh, he's he's filled a big big uh, role in NASCAR, and I think we're going to miss him a lot. But he has a big uh, he leaves a big legacy behind him as well. It's really hard to overstate the influence that Burton Smith has had on NASCAR. Uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that outside of the France family, I don't think anyone has influenced modern-day NASCAR more than Burton Smith has. And without him Mm -hmm. and what he has done for the sport over his nine decades of life, and probably seven of which were dedicated to racing in one way or the other, he helped shape NASCAR into the giant sport that we know today. Some of the biggest tracks that are in NASCAR right now, Bristol Motor Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, all Speedway Motorsports properties were all developed, built, and promoted by Bruton Smith and his family, and they are some of the showpieces and crown jewels of NASCAR, in large part due to the efforts that Bruton Smith put out into the sport. So, yes, Marcus Smith has taken the reins over at Speedway Motorsports and has been running the show there for several years. He's done very well, and I wish him the very best, but my condolences to the Smith family, if there's any representatives of them listening tonight. That's a tremendous loss, not just for the Smith family, but for the NASCAR family as a whole. Um, Even though Burton had kind of stepped away over recent years, he's still going to be sorely, sorely missed in NASCAR. I I 100% agree with you, Mike. That doesn't happen very often. (laughs) I agree with you on this. Uh, Today, uh, Speedway Motorsports uh, actually uh, consolidated their motorsports holdings in December of 94 and in February of 95. uh, They made the first motorsports company to trade in the New York Stock Exchange. Today, the company owns uh, and operates 11 entertainment Motorsports entertainment facilities, including Atlanta Motor Speedway, 
Bristol Motor Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Sonoma Raceway, Texas Motor Speedway, Dover Motor Speedway, Nashville Super Speedway, where we're going this weekend, North Wilkesboro Speedway, and Kentucky Speedway. Uh, They also own and operate subsidiaries uh, in the SMI properties, including U.S. Legend Cars International, Performance Racing Network, and the ZMAC Micro Lubricants. Uh, It's just amazing the legacy he leaves behind in motorsports. And uh, uh, when you visit any of those tracks, you have uh, Boots and Smith. Uh, to thank for, uh, because he put fans to the forefront uh, in a lot of these facilities, and he wanted it to be a good fan experience uh, when he uh, promoted these tracks. So I think he accomplished that, uh, Mike. I said it before uh, a couple months ago. We're kind of reaching the point now where, unfortunately, a lot of the founding fathers of the sport are in their 80s and 90s, and we're starting to lose them. Uh, we lost Bruton Smith, obviously, recently. Uh, Ken Squire had a very rough bout with COVID. We almost lost him. Uh, both of the uh, One of the Wood brothers has already left us. The other one is, uh, is still with us t- for the time being. But it's really important that we, we appreciate and cherish these people. We still have limited time left with them. They're not going to be with us for much longer. So, it's important to appreciate what they've done for the sport, and the best way to do that is to enjoy the sport that they built for us. That's right. Uh, and sometimes we take it for granted. And uh, I, too, extend my condolences to uh, the Smith family and uh, to the NASCAR family as well uh, because uh, we are mourning the loss of Bruton Smith uh, in our NASCAR family. So, um, I will say uh, I, I'm proud of his legacy, and uh, when I visit any of those tracks, you can't help but think of Burton Smith and what he's left behind. He's also part of the Echo, uh, uh, what I read there, the Echo Motorsports uh, uh, Enterprise as well, and uh, he has he's a, he's a car promoter as well as a race promoter. Uh, but it's it's something that he's grown up with. He's had a, a, a really uh, hard-working ethic uh, that he brought to the sport, and I'm sure he passed that along to uh, his son, Marcus, as well. So uh, we appreciate all that he's uh, contributed to our, uh, the, our favorite sport, Mike. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much you want to go back and forth on these. Usually we get two each, and I think that's it for it. Uh, if you want to fill the fourth okay. slot, I'm not sure. How, this is uncharted territory. I, you know, we can keep talking about Bruton Smith, or we can move on. We can go ahead and move on. What's your next hot topic? Do you have another hot topic? I'm sorry. I just hit, I hit, I hit the mute button. I, yes, I do. Um, there was some talk uh, on SiriusXM Radio. The uh, I think he was the, uh, the like the VP of competition. I'm not looking at it right now, so don't don't get me don't 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 quote me on this. But one of the uh, the, the senior management types at Nice Motorsports made mention of the potential for Nice Motorsports, the Truck Series team, looking at potentially going Cup Series racing starting as soon as 2023 with none other than Carson Hosevar behind the wheel. And this was kind of a surprise. Yeah, it is kind of a surprise. I do think that um, uh, 
uh, I, I, I like the idea of Nice Motorsports uh, considering going cup racing. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, we've kind of talked about this before here on Hot Topics, that sometimes drivers are moved up too soon. And, you know, we just listened to Todd Gillow and him talk about how grueling the schedule is in the NASCAR Cup Series and how different it is uh, than racing in the truck series. And um, uh, I, I think he put it well in the interview that uh, we played here earlier, uh, that uh, it is a big, big jump. Um, and, and that's what um, uh, Jay said here, too. Uh, a little might be too big of a jump uh, is what his comment was. And um, I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I do think that Carson is a very talented driver. We've seen him make his, his share of mistakes in the truck series. Um, but it, I personally think it might be too soon. Uh, to push him up into the Cup Series next season. Uh, uh, and, and one of the biggest changes that these drivers uh, make when they go from, like, the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series into the Cup Series is, uh, like, this season, they have one week off. And uh, Todd Gilliland was talking about with the Truck Series you have a couple of days to kind of recover before you're back in the truck and ready to race again. And he said, it is nonstop when you get into the cup series, you don't get that recovery time. And he said, it started with the Daytona 500 weekend and it was just nonstop, busy, busy, busy. And then it was the West Coast swing. And he said, he didn't know if he was ever going to get any sleep or get back on track. Uh, with everything in the Cup Series. Um, and even on his off weekend, he was fishing and won the race. So um, I think that was a confidence booster for him, but I, I think it's a really difficult transition. And I guess I'll just kind of leave it at that. I, I think it might be too soon. But I would like to yeah, see I I, the, the team in the Cup Series. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't have the article pulled up when I first brought up the topic, but I do ha- I have it now. This is Cody Efall. He's the general manager at Nice Motorsports. So, like I said, a, uh, a person who would be in the know about the future plans for Nice Motorsports. And he Absolutely. was talking on Davy Siegel's show on, uh, on Sirius XM Radio. And in addition to hinting at the Cup Series stuff, he said some interesting things. For example, when he was pressed on why the Cup Series – instead of the Xfinity Series essentially jumping up two rungs in the ladder, he kind of said that the Xfinity Series, to use his words, lacked thickness, and he implied that there's about half a dozen to ten teams that really dominate the Xfinity Series, and then the rest of the series is also Rand's, and he tried to imply that the cup, or that the, uh, the truck series is a little bit stiffer competition. I don't know that I would agree with him there, but the other really interesting thing that he said to back up his Xfinity Series criticisms it really drives home the point about Carson Hostovar maybe being a little bit too early to go up to the Cup Series. He mentioned a – he didn't use a name, but everyone knew who he was talking about – a current Cup Series driver who has several Xfinity Series wins, was in the truck race last weekend at Sonoma, and Efa didn't even uh, see, the, see him in the race. He didn't know he was in the race. And obviously he's referring to Harrison Burton. And 
it's mm-hmm. no it's no surprise Harrison Burton was grossly unprepared for the Cup Series and is struggling mightily in the 21 car in the Cup Series this year. And to say that Carson Hosevar is remotely even as prepared as Harrison Burton is is a <laughs> bit of a stretch. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing Harrison Burton. I've heard nothing but nice things said about him, but he was not ready for the Cup Series. And his struggles in the 21 car this year really highlight what happens when you move a driver up too fast, too soon into a ride he's not prepared for. And we've seen it time and time and time again where drivers get advanced beyond their skill level, and it ends up having a negative career impact on them overall where they get moved up to a top-level cup ride, and they're not ready for it, and they struggle and they get let go. And now they're 22 years old out on the street. Eric Jones is a great example of that, getting let go from his cup ride. And Eric Jones is a phenomenal race car driver. He's a multi-time NASCAR Cup Series winner. But even was Eric Jones ready for the Cup Series? He's more ready than Harrison Burton and certainly Carson Hosevar. So I love Carson Hosevar. I think he's got a lot of potential, but he's not ready for the Cup Series yet. And moving him up into the Cup Series now – I think we'll have we'll do more harm than good. I I 100% agree again, uh, and and add on top of that, uh, Nice Motorsports would be a new team in the Cup Series, so I think that would uh, kind of complicate things even further. Um, I, I just I just you know I I I echo everything that you're saying. I think it's. Uh, expecting too much of Carson Hosovar and Meath Motorsports to make that transition into the Cup Series and to have such high expectations. Um, uh, the driver, uh, and, and I agree with you on Harrison Burton. I think Harrison was pushed up too soon in the Cup Series. I would have liked to have seen him stay in the Xfinity Series just a little bit longer. Um, but uh, I do think that he is making some uh, progress, uh, maybe not as much progress as he would like to be making, but uh, I do see him making some progress. And, and uh, uh, but it's going to take him longer to make that progress. Look at drivers like uh, Cole Custer, who I think is a great driver, uh, but he's struggling uh, right now in the Cup Series. He, he got a win last year that put him into the playoffs, and. Uh, you know he's uh, he's not having a, he's not having the best of years this year. So, um, and and I just I just think that they we need to give these guys a little bit of a break and really help them make that transition and work their way up to the Cup Series uh, because uh, the schedule is very grueling, especially when you consider that the Truck Series has uh, what. Uh, uh, a lot less races than the uh, Cup Series has. Cup Series has a full 36 race schedule, uh, which is nowhere close to what the Truck Series has or the Xfinity Series. Xfinity Series comes a little bit closer, but uh, that's that's a big transition. And uh, if you don't believe me, talk to Todd Gilliland because he does talk about that. Any other thoughts before we move on? Now, one thing that uh, that kind of tempers this a little bit, there was some discussion about this on Twitter, and one of the users commented basically the same thing that we are, 
that it's a little premature for Nice Motorsports and Carson Hosvar to be going full-time cup racing, to which Carson Hosvar himself replied, quote, who said anything about full-time? So this is kind of an interesting idea here where maybe Nice Motorsports is looking to enter a limited schedule, and if they do that, well, it makes a lot more sense that their rising star of Carson Hosevar might be the guy who does a handful of Cup Series starts. The question then is, does it make financial okay. sense to do that? I don't know, but it's a much different thing than, hey, we're going to throw Carson Hosevar full-time into the NASCAR Cup Series in 2023. So definitely something uh-huh. to keep an eye on, a really interesting story, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes from here. Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Mike, because I did not know that. Uh, it could be a part-time stint. Uh, that makes a lot more sense than a full-time ride uh, for Carson Hosevar in 2023. That might imply that he will indeed uh, race in the Xfinity Series. So we'll have to wait and see how that continues to play out. Uh, what's next on our list here? Well, if you remember back to our last NASCAR Cup Series race, which feels like forever ago because it was more than one whole week, remember the grueling NASCAR Cup Series schedule we're talking about, Kyle Larson lost a wheel at Sonoma, and Kevin Meandering is going to be taking over for Cliff Daniels. There was a lot of speculation that Chad Knauss would make his return back to the box, but it looks like Kevin Meandering, who was replaced by Cliff Daniels midway through the 2020 season, will be making his way back to now the number five team's pit box and will be serving presumably for the duration of Cliff Daniels' four-race suspension. Okay, make no mistake. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports does a great job of building depth into their organization, uh, starting with Chad Knauss, who's kind of the uh, director of competition uh, for all the teams. So uh, definitely uh, feel like uh, Mandarin is a good choice uh, to be on top of the pit box for uh, uh, Kevin Mandarin uh, on top of the pit box for Kyle Larson this weekend and actually for the next four races. Is it just this weekend they're talking about or is it for the next four? Four races because they usually. I, I know they've con- they've confirmed he's doing it for Nashville. I haven't seen firm confirmation for the remaining three races, but it sounds like everyone's okay. assuming that's what it's going to be. Okay, so we'll have to wait and see how that continues to play out. Uh, so, but uh, I think he's a good choice. He's a veteran. Uh, he's worked with uh, drivers like Elliot Sadler in the Xfinity Series. Um, uh, so he worked as a crew chief at Junior Motorsports. Uh, he's also uh, uh, has 98 races in the Xfinity Series kit box. He has 39 top five finishes there, 77 top tens. He's a Michigan native, and uh, we'll see how it continues to play out. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's a good choice. Like you said, Hendrick Motorsports has a very deep bench. Uh, not only do you have Chad Knauss is the, uh, I think he's VP of competition or whatever the Hendrick Motorsports equivalent is, one of the smartest, best crew chiefs to ever participate in the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, calling the shots there. I would say if he's got confidence in Kevin Meandering to be able to fill in for Cliff Daniels, then I've got confidence in Kevin Meandering as well. Uh, when Chad Knauss speaks, 
especially about crew chiefs and stuff, it's probably time for everybody to listen. Um, how they do this weekend, we've covered this before. Yes, Cliff Daniels is officially suspended, but let's, uh, let's, let's be real here. He's going to be in a Zoom call with Kevin Meandering up on top of the pit box for most of the race, I'm sure. So uh, these crew chief suspensions, do they have any teeth? Well, you get a different face on top of the pit box, but I'm pretty sure Cliff Daniels is still more or less going to be calling the shots for the five team this weekend. I am interested to see how, how it goes, though. Kyle Larson is the defending race winner, the only NASCAR Cup Series winner at the National Super Speedway. So we'll see if he's able to defend that win with a Phil and Crucci. Yes, indeed. Uh, you're absolutely right. Sometimes I wonder just how effective those penalties are. Uh, because uh, I feel like uh, Cliff Daniels may be at home on his sofa, but uh, I still feel like he's going to be very much involved in what's going on with the track. Uh, but it's also, uh, let me, I will say this, uh, for Hendrick Motorsports as an organization, it's also a great opportunity to let Kevin Meandering uh you know, take on that role for a driver like uh, Kyle Larson and see how they gel with one another. Uh, Cliff Daniels and him certainly have gelled pretty well, but uh, you never know uh, when, uh, you know, sometimes there's these shake-ups among organizations uh, because you can get old sometimes working with the same crew chief over time. And uh, to have this experience is, is certainly uh, info in the back pocket for, for something like that to happen in the future. Yeah, you bring up a great point about compatibility. We last saw Kevin Meandering when he filled in. Well, he didn't fill in. He was the full-time crew chief for Jimmy Johnson when Chad Knauss moved mm-hmm. over to crew chief for William Byron before stepping into this current management role. And that didn't really work out. Uh, for whatever reason, Kevin and Jimmy just really never got on the same page. Jimmy had a struggles beyond just the crew chief, but it seemed like when Cliff Daniels jumped in with the 48 team, Jimmy's performance improved. They never did end up winning any races together, but there was definitely a much better cohesion between Jimmy and Cliff Daniels, and it showed in the performance of the team. So we will see how well that, uh, that cohesion is between Kyle Larson and Kevin Meandering. Yes, it's just a temporary thing, but – this is the first Hendrick Motorsports crew chief that we've seen, seen suspended so far this year. It may be that not the last time that we see Kevin Meandering, if there's a, you know, Alan Gustafson or Rudy Hugel have to sit out for a couple races. This may be a backup crew chief kind of a situation. So getting Kevin some reps on the pit box might be beneficial to Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, especially if they end up losing a crew chief for the playoffs. That is so true. Okay, uh, do we have another hot topic to cover here? Because if we do, I probably need to make my announcement. Well, there is the uh, the big one that's kind of controversial. I'm not sure if you want to cover it or not, uh, but you can make your announcement, and then we can figure out if we want to bring it up or not. Okay. Uh, it's currently 925 Eastern Time, and uh, we're going to go off the air. I'm sorry, it's 1020 six now, uh, Eastern time, and we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Uh, that means that we might be mid-sentence, and if you're new listening to the show for the first time, you might be wondering, okay, how do I hear the rest of that conversation? Well, we're going to go ahead and continue to record.
record our conversation past that 1030 mark, and that will be part of our bonus overtime material that you can hear on our podcast. What I do is I go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available, and I've now incorporated uh, Facebook on that as well, to let you know that the podcast is now available so that you can then go to the player at com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. So uh, sometimes we go, you know, just a short amount of time past, but sometimes we go for a whole half hour and sometimes even more uh, past that 1030 time frame. So uh, if you want to hear that bonus overtime material, just watch for the podcast to be available. Fast forward to the two-hour mark and you can hear the whole rest of the conversation. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And we're ready to hear what that next topic is going to be. So I'm going to try and approach this as, as gently and delicately as I can because it's it's kind of a rough one. Um, everyone knows Clint Boyer missed the broadcast for the Sonoma race, which was Fox's last regularly scheduled race broadcast. And went silent on social media. There was no announcement from Fox beyond the fact that just Clint was handling a personal matter. And it was kind of eerie silence. The good news is there was a lot of speculation about something happening to Clint himself or his family or something like that. The good news is Clint Boyer is okay. His family is okay. They're all fine. Unfortunately, what happened was Clint was involved in a vehicle accident on Highway 242 near Osage Beach, Missouri, where he struck and killed a pedestrian who was on the side of the road at night there. And there's conflicting reports of whether she was on drugs or she, it's confirmed she had uh, she had methamphetamine in her possession. Uh, either way, terrible, terrible circumstance there. I can totally understand why Clint wanted to take some time and step away. So, you know, if you want to engage with Clint, Clint Boyer on social media, now is not the time to, to pester about something like this and make crude jokes. It's, it's, it's definitely a time for some sensitivity to Clint and his family because this is a terrible thing that's probably going to take quite some time for Clint to get past. Yes, Clint was actually tested, uh, and he, he came, his test came back as a point zero 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 zero. He had no alcohol or uh, drugs in his system, and uh, they had to wait for the investigation uh, to take place, but he's been cleared uh, of any wrongdoing in this incident and uh yeah it's a it's a tough one because uh this was a fatality of a 47 year old woman and uh uh it's you know clint has come out and said that he he is uh, very sorry uh for the family uh and what they're going through uh it's a very difficult situation for him and his family uh, to go through this as well. And like like um, Mike said, uh, this is not the time to be making uh, any kind of negative comment to Clint Boyer. Uh, he is uh, going through a very, very difficult time. You can imagine uh, if you yourself had an accident like this, how devastating it might be to you and your family as well as the family of the victim. So um, uh, it's... Uh, it's just difficult all the way around. I can understand now. Uh, I was really baffled by it uh, when I noticed his absence 
uh, from the booth during the last race um, and trying to figure out why is he not there. I tried not to speculate. I know a lot of people did try to speculate on why uh, he might not be there, but uh, I'm glad we kind of waited it out, Mike, uh, to find out what actually did happen. Uh, and it is devastating. I, I just can't imagine uh, being in Front Boyer's position right now and how difficult it might be for him and his family. Clint uh, Boyer is, is uh, not somebody. Um, and you know what's really weird, too, is that I just drove through that same area not that long ago coming home from Texas. Uh, and I take that route so I know exactly where that accident took place. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just not an easy thing for anybody to have to go through. And I hate to see a member of our NASCAR family going through this. And I really wish him and his family all the best as they work their way through it, uh, and also the family of uh, the woman uh, victim in this case. Yeah, I, really not a whole lot more to add to that. I, I completely agree with everything you said there. Uh, fortunately for Clint, the Fox broadcast schedule has, has come to an end already, so he's going to have some downtime to, to hopefully take care of whatever he needs to take care of in terms of if he needs to get to talk to somebody about it or, or whatever he needs to help move past this. But, you know, if you have the opportunity to do so, give Clint the space and the respect and the privacy that he and his family needs to get past this. I know Cash is still active and racing in the local area uh, around where they live in the Kansas area. Help. So if you do end up, yeah, it's, it's going to be great for him to get out to the racetrack and do something else. But at the same time, if you do see the Boyer family at the racetrack, be respectful and give them their distance. Even if they're looking like they're having a good time at the racetrack with cash, keep in mind they're going through something that's extremely difficult. And being at the racetrack is probably their best way to, to at least put it behind them for a temporary period of time there. So give them that space and the respect and hopefully allow them to heal and move past this. And let's not forget that a, a woman died here and she has a family as well. Uh, so, condolences to her and her family because they're going we're talking about Clint Boyer and his family a lot but they lost a family member as well so condolences to them as well and and it's a terrible situation for everybody involved that's for sure it certainly is I've I had uh, something similar happened to me a few years back and and you wake up dreaming about it so uh I understand exactly what he's going through. It's, it's. Uh, I didn't hit anybody, but I saw someone get hit, and uh, I was the first car uh, that came out of the accident. So uh, it is devastating. Um, so yes, uh, you bring up some very good points about giving him his space and giving his family that space as well. Uh, so thank you for doing that, Mike. Okay. Right. I hate to end the show showing a downer, but that's that's all I've got, unfortunately. Unless you have something, if I, we got time, that's for sure. Well, let me just uh, bring this up. We've got it on the list, and we can kind of check it off. Uh, NBC Sports announces their commentary team. Uh, they're going to start their portion of the coverage uh, coming up this week at Nashville. Fox 
uh, we'll kind of tie these two together. Fox concluded uh, their 2022 Cup Series coverage with a 6% increase in the ratings. So uh, your thoughts uh, on both of those topics, uh, the 6% increase in ratings for Fox and uh, the fact that NBC Sports is going to start their, their construction, uh, they're part of the coverage coming up here at Nashville. Well, first and foremost, I'm glad to see that Fox had a net increase in viewership this year. A rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And it's good <laughs> that Fox and their NASCAR coverage has, uh, has gotten a, some benefit from that. Um, I think motorsports in general is seeing a bit of a resurgence. Formula One, we've talked repeatedly about their growing popularity. IndyCar has recovered nicely from their issues that they had about a decade ago. And I think motorsports interest in general is improving, and along with that, NASCAR is benefiting as well. So it's great to see. For NBC coming in, with regard to their broadcast team, I didn't see any major changes at all. Um, They didn't say who's going to be doing – well, they did say who's going to be doing what role – But in terms of screen time, I think it's going to be more or less the same coverage as we got last year, which was decent. There was definitely some room for improvement, Um, but I look forward to seeing it. I know I've been critical of the Fox product this year, so a change of pace with NBC is going to be welcome. I'm sure I'll have some critique for them as well, but I wish them the very, very best, and hopefully they see the benefit that Fox did in terms of ratings increase. Okay, and I'll pick up where you left off and then go to the Fox portion. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's pretty much the same as last year. Uh, Rutledge Wood uh, will have a new focus this season. Uh, that's the biggest change I saw. And he's going to do a City View reporter. Uh, so wherever they go for races, he's going to uh, kind of uh, highlight some of the local businesses. For instance, in Nashville, the famous Tiffy's Orchid Lounge uh, to highlight the atmosphere and excitement around the race on Broadway in the Music City. So he'll do something similar at all of the racetracks, racetracks throughout the uh, rest of the season. Uh, so uh, uh, she'll join uh, Kim Poon uh, with MRN. Uh, has uh, been a pit road reporter, but she's going to join the Fox Sports uh, uh as a commentary team, as a pit reporter for select races uh, this year, and she's going to make her on-air debut at Road America uh, with Marty Snyder, Kelly Sabast, and Dave Burns and Parker Kleiderman and Dylan Welch will all return to report from the pits alongside Poon throughout the season. So uh, that's the only difference. The other difference is that a lot of the coverage uh, will be on NBC, but it's also a lot of coverage will be on the USA network this season uh, there for the NASCAR, for the NBC part of the coverage. Uh, we're going to see Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, the mayor Jeff Burton, and Steve Lepart, uh I mean, serving as uh, analyst alongside the race announcer, Rick Allen. So that's uh, pretty much the same. Uh, auto racing icon, uh, Kyle Petty, and NASCAR Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, along with JTT Doherty Racing team owner, Brad Doherty, will anchor the studio coverage with Snyder serving as pre- and post-race hosts uh, for the sixth consecutive year. Uh, the Peacock Pit Box will serve as the studio. Uh, team's primary set location on pit roads throughout the season. 
So uh, I think I hit uh, kind of all of the big uh, highlights of the NBC broadcast. As far as the Fox broadcast, um, I'm not a big fan of the Fox broadcast. I'm glad they had a 6% increase in their coverage. Uh, I'm happy that we're moving on to NBC Sports uh, and looking forward to the coverage. I thought the one of the best coverages that, N- that Fox had this season was with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, when NBC put him out on loan uh, to be in the broadcast booth uh, alongside Clint Boyer. And um, all of a sudden, I'm brain dead. The other guy. Mike Joy. Yes. Joy, thank you. Uh, alongside Mike Joy, I thought it was one of their better broadcasts, and I think uh, Dale Jr. has a lot to do with that. So uh, definitely looking forward to those guys uh, calling the races. And uh, uh, Fox is, is all right. I, I'm okay with them. They're just not my favorite. I, I enjoy the NBC uh, broadcast booth a lot more. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I was at the Talladega race and watched it live, but then that next Monday I went back and watched the broadcast, uh, which I usually don't do, but I had heard the Dale Earnhardt Jr. portion of it was phenomenal, and I went back and, and watched the race broadcast for the race I had just watched live the day prior. And you're right, Dale Jr. really elevated not just his own performance. I think he made the effort of Mike Joy Everybody and Clint Boyer in the booth as Everyone, he he brought out the very best of the entire Fox broadcast team, which was outstanding. Um, so I completely agree that that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was the highlight of the Fox broadcasting section of the of the season, and he's not even a Fox broadcasting employee. So hopefully, Dale brings that same energy, knowledge, and the, the best thing about at least his his Talladega contribution was the timeliness. He was talking about the right thing at the right time, almost like he watched the race already and knew what was coming, even though he was watching it live. So having that timeliness, it's it's very difficult. You can't teach it. It's something that comes with experience and talent, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. has both of it. I look forward to him bringing that to the NBC booth this year, and that's probably the highlight of what I'm looking forward to with the NBC broadcast product coming up from this weekend on out. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that Rutledge Wood is doing the City View uh, this year uh, because Rutledge is one of those guys that uh, could fall into the same trappings that we see at Fox Sports sometimes. And sometimes they get so carried away with trying to be entertaining, they forget that they're there to cover the race. And so I think this is a good use of Rutledge Wood uh, to kind of highlight the city uh, where they're racing and kind of give some of the insider information there. But um, uh, it allows the the other part of the team to really focus on what's happening at the racetrack, and I think that's good, too. So um, I think in the past they've allowed Rutledge Wood to kind of be that entertainment value, if you will, of the broadcast, and uh, he's still going to do that. But focusing on the city, I think, is a really good thing for him. Hey, anything is better than Rutledge Wood reporting on who has the best pickup truck tailgate swimming pool 
and who's burned their bratwurst in the infield. That was a complete waste of time. So if he's going in there and highlighting some of the local businesses and some of these businesses are able to benefit from NASCAR coming to town, that is a much better use of Rutledge Woods' time. So it can only go up from what he's been doing the previous couple of years. Or much more blunt than me, but uh, right on the mark. I tend to be oh. more blunt than me. That's why you keep me around, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, was there anything else? I don't think I saw anything else on our list. I think we're pretty much caught up. It's it's easy to catch up when you got an off weekend and you've only got two people, so you're blasting through these things one after the other. So I think we're caught up. Hopefully some good stuff happens this weekend. I'm really looking forward to seeing NASCAR Cup Series racing get back on the track this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, I'm going to be traveling and working this weekend, so I'm going to catch the races when I can. But like I said, really looking forward to seeing NASCAR Cup Series racing again this weekend. Yeah, I've been so busy. I've missed some of the racing lately. Uh, so I am looking forward to finally getting to sit down and watch racing this weekend as it happens versus watching the uh, uh, rebroadcast uh, and uh, watching the races live. So uh, Nashville Super Speedway, I'm so happy they're going back to that track. I think they're, they'll put on a good show this weekend. And uh, what are your thoughts about the possibility of another first-time winner, or will it be a veteran? Uh, that wins this weekend? It's tough to say. I mean, my, my list of potential winners is starting to get pretty short. I've still got Tyler Reddick on there as a, a likely first-time, first-time winner. Um, as far as first-time this season winners, there's not a whole lot more guys who have previously won a Cup Series race who have either have not won yet this year or I think are likely to win this year. Uh, Brad Keselowski, I know you and Sal talked about him earlier in the, the show before getting into hot topics. As much as I like to see Brad Keselowski win a race, based on momentum, if nothing else, if I was going to pick an RFK driver to win a race, I'd say it'd be Chris Buescher. I don't know what it is with the mm-hmm. six car, but they don't seem to have the same speed as the 17 lately. Chris Buescher hasn't led a ton of laps, but he's spent a lot of time in the top five and top ten. I don't know that I would necessarily say he's going to win a race, but he's definitely knocking on the door more than Brad Keselowski is right now. Uh, Ryan Blaney, we haven't see him, seen him win a race yet. He's pretty—he's not mathematically locked into the playoffs, but he's pretty secure in his playoff position. But it's likely that Ryan Blaney is probably going to find his way into victory lane sooner rather than later. Um, Eric Jones, he's been hot and cold. I know he's kind of the 43 car isn't exactly a front runner most of the year, most of the year, but he's gotten a lot out of it. So Eric Jones is another potential first time this year winner. Uh, other than that, maybe Kevin Harvick, maybe Eric Amarola. It's tough to say. Are we going to have 16 different winners by the time we start the playoffs? I know we talk about it every year. I'm starting to think we might not. I think we're going to end up at about 13 to 14, uh, and then that's what we're going to end up at for total different winners this year. And if you do the math, there's not a whole lot more different winners that are that are coming up here. And that's kind of where I'm sitting at. I see maybe two or three different guys who haven't won a race yet this year winning a race. I may end up getting surprised. I mean, 
who would have picked Austin Cindric to win the Daytona 500, for example. So these things can happen. But I think everyone expected Ross Chastain to win races. Everyone kind of expected Daniel Suarez to win, especially after Ross Ross Chastain cranked off two of them. So great to see those guys win. Not really a big surprise. I think Reddick won't be a huge surprise. Anybody not named Tyler Reddick, though, getting a first-time win, I think is going to be a big surprise at this point. Yeah, this year's kind of unique, too, in that you've got drivers like Denny Hamlin, who sits 21st in the series points, with two wins. You've got Kurt Busch sitting 19th with one win, Austin Sindrick 18th with one win, and Daniel Suarez 17th with one win. That's one, two, three, four drivers that displace Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and Chase Briscoe. Uh, if I read this right, uh, which makes – well, Chase Briscoe has a Chase win. Chase Briscoe has a win. Yeah, Chase Briscoe has a win, so he's good. It displaces Kevin Harvick uh, and puts him below the cut line. So I think of those drivers, Kevin Harvick needs this win more than anybody else um, uh, at this particular point in time. Uh, it, time is running out for him. He's, he's on a uh, – a uh, uh, winless streak, if you will, uh, that goes back uh, quite a ways. So I I, uh, I think this year is so unique because you've got all these four drivers that are below the cut line, but they have wins. So they displace those other drivers. And uh, I think that makes it very interesting as well. The drivers uh, that don't have a win yet that are above the cut line, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, and Eric Amarola. So uh, uh, those guys, uh, if they want to secure their spot, uh, Eric Amarola and Christopher Bell are probably the most vulnerable there. The other drivers still could possibly make it in on point if we don't have a lot of uh, other winners below that cut line. So it's, it's an interesting season uh, without a doubt. We kind of expected this. This was uh, part of the Gen 7 car was advertised as leveling the playing field, giving more drivers, more different drivers, the opportunity to be competitive. I think the the section of the field that has benefited the most from the next-gen car uh, has been the middle of the field. Uh, We still see the top teams be the top teams. Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, to a lesser extent this year, Team Penske and SHR. The Ford teams have been a little bit off the pace this year, but Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports are still the two premier teams in NASCAR Cup Series racing. But I think we've seen a resurgence of of kind of those middle-of-the-pack teams. Uh, Trackhouse is knocking on the door being a top-tier team now, but they were a middle-of-the-pack team. Richard Petty Motorsports and RCR have both – really improved, and I think a lot of that has come with the improvements from the Gen 7 car. Um, So that has really opened the door for some of those middle-of-the-pack teams to get that competitive edge that they need to to start competing for wins, and it's been great to see this year. It has been great to see, and uh, it will be interesting to see for the rest of the races. We've got – this is the race that actually starts the 10-race countdown to the last 10 races of the regular season. So uh, I always uh, pay particular attention uh, to the 10-race countdown, and it all starts at Nashville Super Speedway. And this year it ends at Daytona International Speedway. 
So uh, that's going to make it interesting, too, for that to be the final race before the uh, uh, playoffs begin. Yeah, I think they, they NASCAR picked the perfect race for the end of the regular season. Desperation, Hail Mary to get into the playoffs. We saw William Byron get the walk-off playoff spot uh, with his first career win at Daytona with the first year they had it as the playoff cutoff race. Uh, Austin Cindric got into the playoffs this year with winning the Daytona 500 to start the season. Exactly. So finishing the regular season with a playoff berth up for grabs, I think is uh, was a phenomenal move on NASCAR's part. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this Daytona race at the end of the regular season, because especially with as tight as the field is right now, there's, it's going to be some very desperate people doing some very desperate kind of things, trying to get that last playoff slot and, or prevent themselves from being eliminated. And it's going to be a, a wild race here in just 10 more weeks because there's not another off week. It's 10 weeks until the end of the regular season. Yep. That's right. And, and at a track like, like uh, Daytona, uh, that, desperation move can sometimes take yourself as well as 10 other drivers out out there at the same time. So you can be minding your own business and still be taken out of the race, unfortunately. Uh, So I think they, uh, hopefully they'll be careful about that, but you're right. It's going to be desperation mode uh, at uh, Daytona for sure. But uh, I think that desperation intensity starts at national and continues to build the tension continues to build as we get to daytona so uh it's going to be an exciting 10 weeks okay let's go ahead and uh, close out our show here tonight uh mike let's uh uh give your uh, social media handles and uh if you're going to a racetrack or any other news you have Sure, it's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, I don't know that I've got a, any race plans figured out here. I just did an autocross this past weekend. I've got my car uncrashed, and it's raceable again. So I'm, I'm, I'm back into the, uh, the personal good. racing again. Yeah, 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 you know, leaked oil everywhere. But, hey, that's, you know, that's just how you know there's oil in it. If it's leaking, there's oil in it. So that's a good thing. Uh, I just keep telling myself that. As far as actually going to the racetrack as a spectator, I don't know. It's too darn hot right now to go to the racetrack. I, I about sweated to death this weekend. Maybe I'll wait for the fall, and I don't know. I haven't been to Martinsville yet. I'm not making any promises, but if I was going to go to a race later this year, I, Martinsville might be one of the ones I might think about heading up to. I'll keep you up to date. Okay, well, where are you going to be racing? Oh, it's uh, autocross, so we do it at the uh, Columbus Air Force Base uh, alert ramp, the old B-52 ramp out there. Uh, Our next one is going to be August 13th, uh, again, at Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. So uh, we got a little bit of off time here, um, but sooner rather than later, we'll be back out there and, uh, and sweating it out again. There you go. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being here for Hot Topics today. Uh, I know that's been a long stretch. You and and Andy both have been extremely busy, and uh, it's understandable. Work always comes first, and uh, we understand that, but we do miss you guys when you're not here. So uh, it's good that uh, we got a chance uh, to hear from you here. Yeah, it's great to be back. I like you said, it's, it's tough sometimes with work, but uh, this is interesting to do the, the one-on-one kind of a show here. Uh, 
always great to have Andy and or Jay on there, uh, even though I disagree with Jay on a regular basis. That's part of the fun. But uh, the one-on-one show is interesting, and uh, I wouldn't mind doing it again. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Uh, I am Dan Bracing Psych on Twitter, Dan Bracing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including com, where we do have our Dan Bracing Radio player, uh, where you can hear our live broadcast or our podcast. So uh, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate uh, you taking the time to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing the show, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Uh, Also, uh, thank you to Sal Segala for standing in today for uh, Jay Huseman, who's on vacation, and uh, to you, Mike. Uh, for being here for Hot Topics. Without you, we couldn't have had a Hot Topics here tonight. So uh, thank you for being available. And uh, we'll look forward uh, to the racing this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway, as well as the race out at Elko Speedway for the Arkham and Art Series, which includes the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, a lot of racing going on in all three series uh, this week at Nashville. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody on the other side. We do have Derek Thorne confirmed as a guest for Monday night at 9.30. And uh, I have another guest tentatively scheduled. We'll wait and see if it's going to be who I think it is or someone else. Uh, But uh, we are working on that. And we hope to have a guest at uh, the 9 o'clock time frame as well. So uh, join us on Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Uh, for our review of the racing at Nashville and Elko. And uh, Jay and I will be back on the air this coming Thursday to do our preview show. So, uh, again, thank you to everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you again on the other side. We'll call that a wrap, Mike. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.